So one thing that you may not guess just by looking at me is that I absolutely love sports. I run a fantasy football league for reform rabbis. I read ESPN literally every day, and I am known to plan my social calendar around playoff games. Part of what I love about sports is that at their best, athletic leagues and individual athletes with platforms can lift up the best of what it means to be human. Earlier this week, I was struck by the actions of one such athlete, Julian Edelman, a wide receiver in the NFL for the New England Patriots and a fellow member of the tribe. Not only was Edelman's conduct an example of an athlete using his platform for good, but it was also, in my opinion, a great example of a Jew representing the best of what it means to be Jewish. For those of you that don't follow the NFL as quickly as I, as most, uh, as frequently as I do, a little over a week ago, another NFL player, Deshaun Jackson, a black man, posted some anti-Semitic quotes on his social media. Jackson later removed these posts and apologized for his actions, but in our media-focused world, his statements were out there and a frenzy had begun. There's a lot to unpack in the nuances of Jackson's statements and how other public figures did or did not respond to them. And there are many articles that do just that, and I encourage you to go find them online if you're curious. But for the purpose of our time together tonight, I wanna to focus on Edelman and the way that he in particular handled the situation. Proudly displaying his Jewish star necklace, Edelman, a white Jewish man, took to his social media to share with the world his response to Jackson's posts. I know he said some ugly things, he said, but I do see an opportunity to have a conversation. I don't want to distract from how important the Black Lives Matter movement is and how we need to stay behind it. It's really hard to see the challenges of commu a community can face when you're not a part of it. So what we need to do is we need to listen. We need to learn. We need to act. We need to have these uncomfortable conversations if we're going to have real change. Practicing what he preached, Edelman then shared that he had personally reached out to Jackson and invited him on a day of mutual learning and listening. Edelman offered to take Jackson on a tour of the Holocaust Museum. And in exchange, he asked that Jackson take him on a tour of the National Museum of African-American history and culture. Instead of putting the onus entirely on Jackson and proclaiming that he needed to educate himself or be canceled or fined or fired, Edelman instead focused on mutual education and building a better future together. Not only offering to help Jackson learn, but also seeking to learn more himself and actively asking for Jackson's help in becoming a better ally and champion of justice. Though I can't be certain whether or not Julian Edelman read this week's Torah portion before posting on social media about Jason Jackson, it struck me that he certainly captured what I think is one of its main messages, an emphasis on learning and continual self-education as a fundamental Jewish value. This is a value that is always important, but is especially critical at times of societal crisis and upheaval like we find ourselves in this Shabbat. Our actions in moments like these define who we are, not only as Jews, but as human beings. In the Torah this week, we read Matot Masai, a double portion which finishes the book of Numbers. 
In this parsha, we find the Israelites on the edge of the promised land after 40 years of wandering in the desert. They are about to put down roots and they are finalizing the logistics of who lives where and how society will work. Actions at critical times like those have the power to dictate who the Israelites were going to be as a society. What were they gonna value? Who were they going to include? And what would they stand for? With his words this week, Moses played a very key role in ensuring that the Israelites built their society around what really mattered in this week's Parsha. You see, all along after they left Egypt, the goal had been for all 12 tribes to travel together to the land of Israel, then divide up that land equally between themselves so that everyone could have a small part of it to call their home. But in this week's Parsha, at the very last minute, two tribes, the Reubenites and the Gadites, realized that this didn't actually work for them anymore. They were shepherds of large flocks of sheep and cattle, and they realized that the land that they were already on, on the eastern side of the Jordan, was perfect for their flocks. They had ample space and ample resources, so why would they go anywhere else? Because of this, they asked Moses if they could stay on the side of the Jordan and never enter Israel. They said, we would like to build here sheepfolds for our flocks and towns for our children. Understandably, this wasn't something that Moses loved the idea of right away, but after much back and forth, Moses ultimately did grant the tribes their wish, enabling them to settle east of the Jordan and not enter the land of Israel. However, in granting their wish, Moses very subtly yet significantly reframed the Reubenite and Gadites' original proposal, instructing them, listen closely to see if you can see the difference, to go build towns for their children and then sheep, holds for, sheep folds for their flocks. Whereas the Reubenites and Gadites had named their flocks first and their children second, Moses named children first and then flocks second. In the Torah, small things like a word reversing is often some of the most significant fodder for commentary. And this subtle reversal of order, children before flocks, is absolutely no exception. Commenting on the Reubenite and Gadites flocks before children proposal, Rashi stated, commenting on the Torah portion, they cared more about their property than their sons and daughters. This is wrong. We must focus on what is essential first and on what is less important second. First, go build cities for your children to learn and grow. And only after that, begin to focus on your flocks. The order is key here. In putting sheep before children, the Reubenites and the Gadites had their priorities wrong, and Moses reminded them that they needed to correct their focus. Another piece of our Torah portion this week also emphasizes the importance of education and its centrality to Judaism. In this week's Parsha, cities of refuge are established. The Torah tells us that these were six special towns where individuals who had unintentionally killed others could escape and live in as a kind of temporary safe haven while they awaited trial. As I was digging into cities of refuge this week, I learned something that I found particularly interesting about these cities that I'd never known before. According to Talmud Makot, the sages taught, if a student was exiled to a city of refuge, his teacher was exiled with him, as it is said, and he shall flee to one of those cities and live, meaning, do the things for, wit, for him that will enable him to live. 
according to the Talmud, they could not imagine a way for a person to meaningfully live without access to learning, even in a city of refuge. At its most basic, this is the core of the Judaism that I know, love, and practice. Continually lifting our world up through learning is fundamental to who we are as a people, and particularly fundamental to me as a rabbi, as a former proud public school teacher. Emphasizing the importance of education to Judaism, Rabbi Lord Jonathan Sachs once stated, for Jews, education is not just what we know, it's who we are. No people ever cared for education more. Our ancestors made education a religious command and our rabbis valued study as higher even than prayer. Simply put, there is no Judaism without continual learning, questioning, and growth. We are the people of the book and our book tells us to go find many more books and dig right in. As we see society all around us today teeming with systemic and structural racism and oppression, a critical piece of this deep Jewish commitment to learning is not just seeking out new information, but also doing deep self-reflection, confronting our own biases and deeply held beliefs to make ourselves open to new ways of learning and being. This is not easy work, but as Edelman asserted, it is critical that we all engage in uncomfortable conversations and confront our own privilege in order to make our world the most just it can be. When we conclude each book of the Torah, as we do this weekend, we recite a special phrase, chazak, chazak, v'nit chazak, which translates as, be strong, be strong, and we will strengthen one another. As Edelman so deftly modeled with his actions this week with his colleague, Deshaun Jackson, it's only through mutual learning, reflecting, and lifting each other up that we can truly build a more just society together. So at this critical moment in time, may we all embody these words from our tradition. Chazak, may we strengthen ourselves. Chazak, may we strengthen others around us. Venid chazak so we will all be stronger together. Kenyahi Ratzon.